Welcome to this inspiring message brought to you by Kingsword Media Outreach, a part of Kingsword Ministries International. We hope this teaching inspires you and transforms you into all that God has destined you to be. Please stay tuned for more information about Kingsword Ministries International following this message. May God bless you as you listen. Holy Spirit we receive eyes to see and ears to hear and heart to perceive this morning in the name of Jesus Christ Amen. Put your hands together for yourselves and put your hands together for the Lord you may have your seat in the presence of God. Hallelujah welcome to church people, welcome to February, it's our month of excellence it's a great month and it's our year of new things Hallelujah all right, so turn your Bibles with me to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. Today, I'm beginning a new series I've titled, The New and Living Way. God began to talk to me about, um, about Jesus afresh. Began to give me a new perspective. Began to show me a new light. Of Christ. Initially, I titled the message Looking Unto Jesus, but later on, as I was studying and, and, and God exposing the things to me, I decided, okay, I'm going to change it to the new and living way. Glory to God. Colossians 3.16. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with, thank, with thankful hearts. Hebrews 12, 1-2 Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily uh, trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. How do we do this? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the, right, in the place of honor beside God's throne. There is a new and living way. There is a new and living way. Hebrews 12 one says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd, let us strip off our weight. And it says we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. We keep our focus on him. That's how we do it. That's how we enjoy the new things that is ahead. So we don't just look at Jesus, but we keep our gaze on him. There's a difference when you just look at something and then you turn your eyes off. But there's a, a greater difference when you keep your eyes focused on it. You keep your eyes focused on it. It means that regardless of what is happening all around, your eyes is still focused on him. So he said, keeping your eyes focused on Jesus. Looking at him. See, that's how we do it. 
You know, every opportunity you get to worry or, and every opportunity you get that creates anxiety or discomfort or fear is an opportunity for Jesus to be revealed. Each time you are faced with worry, anything at all that worries you, that, that bothers you, that gives you anxiety, anything at all, take it from me. It's an opportunity for Jesus to be revealed. I'll explain. The reason you worry is because you are not seeing what Christ is seeing. If he says, take no thought and do not worry about this and about that, about that, and then you now you're now worried about that thing. It means that you are not seeing what he is seeing. For example, um, you may be worried about something that I'm not worried about. Okay? Now, if I don't know what you're worried about and your head is bowed and you're singing the most famous song in the world, nobody knows my sorrow. And I don't know what you're sorrowful about. Will it affect me? happy and dancing here and singing and happy and singing Abu God. I'm happy here. He doesn't know what's making me happy. I don't know what's making him sorrowful. What happened? We're seeing two different things. But the moment I know what's making him sorrowful, I dance to his tune. Nobody knows my sorrow. I can't even tweak it. Nobody knows our sorrow. But the moment, maybe I haven't asked him what is making him sorrowful, and then he comes to me and says to me, ah, why are you dancing? Just singing Abu God since morning. I say, ah, guy, I just got a lot, 10 million. For the first 30 seconds, he will forget his own problem because he knows that if he associates with me, whatever it is, is half solved. What happens? He dances to my own so when you worry and anxiety comes over something it's really because we have not seen what Jesus is seeing we are not seeing the same thing with him so if Jesus stands at the right hand of the father and he's saying take no thought don't be worried don't be anxious for nothing and all this be anxious for nothing and all that he's saying come up here and see what I'm seeing so each time worry comes you, there is something you don't know that is making you worried. Each time anxiety and fear comes, there is something you don't know. So at that moment, what you need to do is to strive to rise up from that space where you, there is worry and anxiety to the place where Jesus is, where you don't see those things. They may be there, but the effect is not on you. Why? Because you are focusing on something else. It has captured your attention. It has captured your heart. It has captured your focus. The Bible told us that when the children of Israel were, were beaten by serpents, and God told, told Moses, he said, make a bronze serpent and put it up and then let them look. I cannot understand the correlation between looking at a bronze serpent and stopping the serpent from biting you. I don't understand the correlation. But the moment they kept their eyes focused, what happened? The serpents were still there. But the effect was no longer on them. 
And you and I know that serpents don't just bite you and then keep biting you. No, one venom is enough. But look at it. The effect is still there. But as long as that venom is inside you and your focus is on Jesus, you're not affected. So life may happen to you. But guess what? Let it still be there. On Jesus. He becomes your cornerstone. He becomes your focus. He becomes the one you look to. Regardless of the venom. Ah, pastor, you don't understand. Something happened to me two years ago. And it happened to my family. And everything just crashed down. And we're still feeling the effects now. In that your state. All eyes on Jesus. In that state. All eyes on him. Focus on him. You focus. He said we do this by keeping our eyes on the champion of our faith. He's the one that initiates and perfects our faith. He initiates and perfects our faith. John 14, 6. said, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And in John 14, 1, he says, don't let your heart be troubled. Let's turn there. John 14, 1. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. Whatever it is, don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God and also trust in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. He's saying to them that, look, because you don't know what I know, that's why you are worried. Me, I know there's more than enough room in my father's house. That's why I can tell you not to be worried. So if you come to terms with what I know, you too will not be worried. Fear will not come. Anxiety will not come. The things that scare you will not come. He said, if I did not know that, I would have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. So when everything is ready, I will come and get you. He said, but Verse 6, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Except through me. So he established that fact with them that look, the cause of your trouble, the cause of your worry, the cause of your fear is that you don't know what I know. I know something that you don't know. So for you to come out of that space of worry, you have to know what I know. So each time worry sets in and fear sets in and anxiety sets in, what you now need to do is step out of that space and say, okay, if Jesus is telling me not to be worried in this situation, it means that he's standing in a place. That's why he began to talk about a place. And the other scripture we read in Hebrews says that he's seated with the Father in heavenly places. So Jesus is saying that your worry and your anxiety and your fear are here. And I am here. So whenever they come, it means that we are not together. So come to where I am. Each time worry and fear comes. And then you will see what I see. And then know why I'm not worried. You know why I'm not worried. It's not like the situation might change immediately. But you're not just worried. You're not just worried. You're not disturbed. You're not disturbed. You know, growing up, we used to believe that um, certain, certain churches and certain, 
You know, I, I used to ask people that, look, if you say that the Catholics, the, the Baptists, and all these other um, Orthodox churches and all that, that they are not the church, are you trying to tell me that before Pentecostal came, every other person is going to hell? Is that what you're trying to say? That before Christ embassy came and before redeem came and all that, every other person that had church did not know what they were doing? It's called revelation. Even the Old Testament, Jesus was being revealed. He was being revealed. So he's being revealed. The fact that I know something better doesn't mean that every other person that don't know what I know has missed it. No. It's the revelation of Jesus. It's progressive. It's in the old. Jesus is the one all through scripture. All through scripture. He's the one there. Christ existed from the beginning. And he's the one being revealed from generation to generation. That I know a level in Christ Jesus does not now make me the head of everybody and say, okay, you know what? No problem. No, we're no longer um, put, um, Pentecostals. We're now this. You can call it whatever name. It's all a revelation of Jesus. Jesus told them, he said, forgive them because they do not know what they're doing. So at certain points in our life, we come to certain knowledge of Christ. That we have that knowledge does not make us exceptional. It only makes us privileged. It's a responsibility that God has just committed to us. That Christ revealed himself to us and we have the message of grace and we think that every other person is going to hell because we were, um, they are not preaching the message of grace. You're wrong. You only have a revelation of Jesus. There's another part of Jesus that you don't know, that I don't know. The one that we know, Paul said, we know in part and we prophesy in part. The only time you will know in full is when we get to heaven. That's when you will know completely. But right now, the little that we know is privileged knowledge. It's what is being revealed to us. And each, if you, if you study scripture, you, you'll find out that at every point in time, God reveals himself. At every point in time, Jesus is everywhere in scripture. Everywhere. And when you're studying scripture, you need to understand there are certain things that, 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 um, that you, 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 you have to, like, to, to clearly distinguish so that you don't go into error. You don't go, one of them is context. You need to know the context of that scripture. When, when things happen in the Old Testament and then we say that, oh, that's Old Testament. By the way, what's the difference between Old Testament and New Testament? What's the difference? Just old and new. The difference is that you are the one that is new. God is the constant. God is the testament. You are the one that is new. Nothing has changed about God. The, what God is demanding from the old is still what is demanding now. The the only difference is that you are not the one required to do it. Jesus has done it. You're not the one required to do it. So he didn't change. We are the ones that have changed. So he's the same yesterday. He's the same today. He'll be the same forever. He'll be the same forever. It's the Old Testament, New Testament. The 
constant there is testament. Who is the testament? He is the one that did the testament. Old to the people. New, new people. End of story. We are the ones that are new in the equation. God remains the constant. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if we're saying that, um, that's the old way of life and stuff like that, yes, I agree. But the new in what? New in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the game changer. He's the game changer. He's the, if you recognize that he's the one that is changing the game, things will be easy for you. It will be easy for you to receive what he has brought. But because we still think that you and I are responsible for certain things, we now take the, take the center stage and try to deal with situations and circumstances ourselves. Forgetting that he has died, he was buried, and he resurrected all for you and I. So he's saying this is a new covenant I'm having. I'm not asking you to do something that I've not... What God demanded from Israel is still what he's demanding from us today. But the difference is that Christ has stepped into that space to fulfill it because you and I can never fulfill it. So he says, we are now in Christ Jesus. So everything we do is now in Christ. Everything we do is now in Christ. Why do you think David at that time, God said to him, he's a man after my own heart. God is not afraid of sin. Sin doesn't scare him. You think it's because of sin people will go to hell? No. It's because they rejected Jesus. Sin has been dealt with. Jesus has dealt with sin once and for all. The only reason anybody will go to hell is because he rejected Jesus. Not because of sin. I don't care if you sleep on 20 women. It's irrelevant. If you reject Jesus, you go to hell. That's the only thing. That's the only thing that takes people to hell. Not in the blood of Jesus covers the entire... He said he died for the whole world. Before you even knew anything. He died for you. How would you now reject? So because you don't know that he has died for you and that sin no longer has dominion over you, what do you do? You bring yourself under the power of sin. That's what happens. But the moment you realize that sin no longer has dominion over me, you step out of it. It doesn't have power over you anymore. But because you still think that it has power over you, you bring yourself under the power of it. So you need to understand the context. What is being said in that moment within that subject area and then you also need to understand premise. You may not know what God is up to in any situation but when you understand the premise that is what he cannot be up to then you can come to a reasonable and fair conclusion. Sometimes God can act in a way that looks foolish but since you already know the premise of God, that God cannot be foolish, what, is, what happens? It's easy for you to experience a new and living way. So you understand the context of what is happening in that moment, in that situation, at that time, that God is speaking to a certain people and say, look, um, if this person um, 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 does this thing, stone her to death, stone him to death. God doesn't, it doesn't mean that God condone stoning. No, 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 no. That was the, the, in that context, that was how they, they understood justice in that moment. If it happens now, arrest him. Arrest her. That's what will happen. That's the justice system at that time. So in that moment, that was how God could reveal himself.
himself to them. God is so, he's so, his love is just so amazing that he comes to us where we are and then gradually begins to walk us up to himself. That's why you and I are here today. He's walking us up to Jesus. So he started from those people and he revealed himself to them in a way that they will understand. There's another, I mean, many years ago, you can never have a pastor who has a tattoo, tattoo who will go to your church. Who? But now, there are pastors who have tattoos. They did that when they were unsaved. Now they are saved. They can't remove the tattoo. Does that mean they're going to hell? No. But they have to preach. And there's a generation of people that only tattoo can appeal them. Only tattoo. Yeah, that's it. Someone was telling me of a place in the U.S. that oh, there's a club. You, if you don't have tattoo, you can't enter the club. So this guy got saved. He used to have tattoos all over his body and he got saved. And now God sent him there. Did God ask him to do the tattoo? No. But God is using it to get across what he wants. So there's a generation of people that are coming. I, I don't even know the kind of messages that we'll preach in the next five, five years or, or ten years. I don't know. But the fact remains, the revelation of Jesus is progressive. It's progressive. So you can't come to a point where you say, oh, I've known everything all. No, we keep knowing. So that word, looking unto Jesus, it's a continuous thing. So you make him the center of your focus. You keep looking at him. You keep looking at him. And then there's the personality. You understand this person. What he's capable, he's not capable of afterthought. You understand that. He cannot tell a lie. And then you understand the principle. You know what God is about. His principle. You understand this principle. The Bible says in Psalm 103, he said, He made known to Moses his ways and then his acts to the children of Israel. What the children of Israel understood was the acts of God. But what Moses saw was the ways of God. Was the ways of God. In those days. So you, you can use that to differentiate what is the way of God and then, and then um, what is the act of God and then understand from that point the principle. The principle. Medical science is, it, is, a, is, a, is a wonderful example of that. Medical science is a revolution. I don't understand why some people feel that doctors are evil. And some believers feel that doctors, doctors are a gift from God. It's the principle of a miracle. It's just a principle. So if you don't understand that, you'll be cut off. If doctors are evil, then if you want to go to the U.S., better enter a bus or start walking. Because it's technology that brought about the airplane. If doctors are evil, then scientists are more evil. It's the same technology that brought about the airplane. Then please don't use a phone. Because you don't deserve it. It's the same technology of science that God is science. Everything that is spiritual, supernatural, is a science that cannot be explained. Everything that science has explained is already spirituality that they have, they have discerned. It's spirituality that they have just discerned. That is just science. Because in the beginning, God is the one that fills everything and all things. There is nothing that doesn't come out of him. 
way, God can be revealed to them in that area. If the scientists tell you that um, um, the, the clouds were formed by a combination of particles and, and you're a scientist, you, or particles and atoms and stuff like that come together and then they form the cloud. They are correct! That they can explain it by science does not take the God out of it. That science can explain how your body formed does not take the God out of it. Yes, that is the understanding of the spiritual tangibility of your creation. That is the understanding. That's how it can be explained scientifically. But then, that doesn't mean that everything that science cannot explain does not exist. No, that is they have not known it yet. They have not known it yet. If science tells you that the, that the world is 100 billion years old, they are correct. They are correct. They've been able to understand it by science. It requires study. And God has given you and I that ability to study these things and know these things. But we draw it from spiritual existence. So what the scientist is saying, their argument now is that if we cannot explain it, it doesn't exist. But what they don't understand is that whether it exists, whether you can explain it or not, does not take away the fact that it exists. There are certain things you cannot explain. You can't explain it. The children of Israel crossed the Red Sea. Yes, they crossed the Red Sea. It was a miracle. If I want to cross the Red Sea now, I'll take a plane. I've done the same thing. Right? I've done the same thing. If I go to the Red Sea and start praying, God, you must show up today. Cross this Red Sea. He will cross his leg in heaven and say, ah, Michael, where did we get this one from? He will send somebody say, oh, please, go and give him money for flight ticket. And maybe he will come to me and say, ah, God, why are you doing here? Say, ah, the rest of must go. I say, ah, why not take a plane? No, 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 no. The God of Moses must show up. Foolishness. Take a plane. At that time, there was no plane. If there was plane, Boeing 747 would have come and picked all the children of Israel. Maybe several Boeing 747 would just come and pick all of them. And, and, I mean, I'm... Okay, ask yourself, how many Red Sea have crossed, have, have opened since that time? Is God dead? No. He's been revealed in science, but we don't know. And we're not giving God the glory. He's been revealed in science. How many Red Seas have crossed? How, okay, not even Red Sea. River Jordan. Just Jordan. Bang. How many? None. Science has happened. Several things have been revealed. But because we're not seeing Jesus in those things, we're not giving them the glory, giving him the glory. But Christ is in all things. He's in all things. He's the center and he's the focus. He's the focus. I've not even gone halfway. Glory to God. And then there's also palliatives. God, God, why he does what he does, he does them for a reason. For the, um, because of what's available at that time. What's available? I remember that there was a time I was I was I was I was I was watching the news and I saw this um, governor in the north that was doing youth empowerment, and then he was giving them um, um, shoemaking kits all over the place, and I watched it and I was disgusted. In this age and time, giving them shoemaking kits as youth empowerment, and they were all happy. 
I watched that thing feeling bad. Then later, God began to explain to me. He said, no, 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 no. See, that's how I deal with you people too. I deal with you in palliatives. I give you what your facility can handle. He said, if you give those people, what would you give them? Maybe a bike or a car. They don't know the value. That shoemaking kit, that's okay for them. Does it mean that cars are not available for them to do Uber? They're available. Does it mean that motorbikes are not available for them to do um, Okada? They're available. But he doesn't give you what is available. He gives you what your infrastructure can handle. Gives you what your infrastructure can handle. So U.S. people, they, and Americans, they come, they come to, they come to uh, um, Africa and they want to give us um, um, gas. Abroad! The gas is channeled to the house. Am I correct? Sir? The gas is channeled to the house. How many of your houses here have gas channeled to you? You carry your cylinder to the gas uh, station and fill the cooking gas and bring it back by yourself. Why? Is it that there's no technology available to channel gas to your house? There is. But what your infrastructure can handle is what they've given to you. So it has nothing to do with God at all. It's what your infrastructure can handle. That's what they've given to you. So don't, don't get angry and say, ah, abroad, eh, you just own your gas. The gas is channeled to your house. No, 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 no. no. It's what our infrastructure can handle. That's what it's given. And it's coming part time. Lest we choke. If they channel gas to all our houses, oh, goodness gracious. There will be no, there will be no, no potakot again. Every house will just be blowing one after the other. Boom, 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 boom. That's what the infrastructure can handle. That's what they so, so understand that sometimes God works with us in all these five areas. The context, understand the principle, and understand the palliatives, know what the infrastructure is having at that time. At that time. So I was talking about the difference between the two. The old and the new. We are the ones that are new. The new covenant, in the new covenant, Christ fulfilled it on our behalf, which we could not do. So nothing has changed. The only fact now is that Christ is now our focus. Matthew 5, 17. It says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I've come to fulfill them. I've not come to do away with them like you think. You think that, oh, and the Old Testament is gone. No. He didn't do away with it. He fulfilled it. He fu what it came to do he did it. The Bible says the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. So you see, Christ is the center of everything. The law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. So all the while, Christ was there. So but it was coming bit by bit. This revelation today, that revelation today, gradually. Because we can't take it all completely. We will choke. So it comes bit by bit. God begins to reveal Jesus to us bit by bit, bit by bit, bit by bit. Generation after generation. Year after year. Century after century. Keep revealing Jesus gradually till we get to, we go to where we are right now. So that we are preaching grace does not mean that, hey, something new has happened. No. We are the ones that is new. Grace has been from day one. But hidden. 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 
Romans 10.4 said Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Now what all this means is that everything God requires in the old, he still requires in the new. But now by a new and living way, a new order, a new and living way, a new and living way. Glory to God. I'll just read 2 Corinthians 5.17. And then I'll just close from there. It says, whoever is a believer in Christ is a new creation. The old way of living has disappeared. A new way of living has come into existence. That's God's word translation. A new way of living has come into existence. Let, let, let's, let's, let's go there and, and read further. Read further to... 2 Corinthians 5, 17. we read to 21. Let me read, um, use the God's words translation. Are you here? It said, whoever is a believer in Christ is a new creation. The old way of living has disappeared. A new way. Remember it says, whoever is a believer in Christ. Not just a believer. Whoever is a believer in Christ. All right? A new way of living has come into existence. God has done all this. He has restored our relationship with him through Christ and has given us the ministry of restoring relationships. In other words, God was using Christ to restore his relationship with humanity. He didn't hold people's faults against them. I mean, I don't know where people get their own Bible readings from. This is scripture. God is not angry with the world. He's not just angry. It's not, not that he's not angry with believers. He's not angry with the world. He said he's not holding people's faults against them. And he has given us this message to restored relationships, of restored relationships, to tell others. He says, therefore, we are Christ's representatives and through us, God is calling you. We beg you on behalf of Christ to become reunited with God. God had Christ who was sinless take our sin so that we might receive God's approval through him. Anything that you do. See, if you want to sin, just sin in Christ. Let me just tell you. I, if I tell you not to sin, doesn't mean that you will not sin. If I tell you, so you already know what you do. So it's you and God. But know that you are in God. I'm just telling you, jejeli now. You understand my jejeli? Just know that you are in God. Don't leave God. Through Christ. Through him. Through him. David is a typical example. He never left the presence of God. Whatever he did, he never left the presence of God. That's why God said, he's a man after my own heart. He was after my heart because the more you focus on Jesus, you realize that you are only being foolish by sinning. It's like somebody who has, who has, who has uh, um, um, like that story I heard of someone that they gave something, maybe like a document, and they put it in the Bible, and the guy never read the Bible, and his father died, and the Bible was still there, and stuff like that. He was just being foolish. Doesn't mean that he didn't get his inheritance. He got it, but he did not know. So when you err and do foolish things, you don't know. So what Christ is saying, come up to this place and know. See, the day you sinned was not the day 
And you now say, God, forgive me. I've sinned. It was not the day he forgave you. He forgave you before you even sinned. How do I know? He did it when Christ died. How many of you here were around when Christ died? So how did God know the kind of sin that you will sin? And for him to forgive you? Sin is sin. The nature of sin has been dealt with. When you don't know, you come under the power of it. And it begins to torment you, suppress you, you can't sleep, you lost focus, you lost concentration, you are bothered, you are disturbed. Over what has been dealt with over 2,000 years ago. But you are still under the power of it. You are still under the power. That's what happens. You don't know. You don't know. The blood of Jesus completely. When God looks down, he doesn't see all this uh, rubbish. He sees the blood of Jesus. That's how powerful the blood of Jesus is. He sees it blanket the whole earth. Blanket the whole earth. The Bible says his eyes cannot behold iniquity. So right from day one, Jesus has been there mediating. Jesus has been there mediating. Rise to your feet. Glory to God. Have you been blessed this morning? So Jesus is the focus. Jesus is the center. You make him the new and living way. He is the center of attraction. Not you, not I, not anybody. He is that center. He's the one that we look to, that, the one we behold. And when we come to terms with what he's telling us, what we're saying is that we've accepted that reality. And we're living in the consciousness of that reality. I told us some time ago that what the, the real problem there is that we have, um, we're still having a consciousness of sin. And if you read Hebrews, I don't have time, maybe um, the, next, the next teaching, I'll explain that in Hebrews, where the Bible says that what, what Christ Jesus came to take away from us is, that, is the consciousness of sin. So that we will no longer have the consciousness of sin. But the sin itself has been dealt with. So what is tormenting you and I now is the consciousness of sin. We are still conscious of our wrong. We are conscious of our faults that he's no longer holding against us. So because of that, we cannot keep our eyes steady on Jesus. We are disturbed by the distractions. We are disturbed by all the things happening around. By the way, who told you that the sin you know that is sin is the only sin that there is that is sin? Who told you? What about the ones that you never know? And in the eyes of God, it's a more terrible sin than the one you think is a sin. What about that one? But you never knew. But in the eyes of God, and, and if someone asks you, if Jesus comes today, will you go to heaven and say, oh yes, uh, uh, oh yes, after all, I don't do this, I don't do that. And God is looking at you. <laughs> that you did that uh, guy like this. It's already a sin in my eyes. And you're like, huh? how, 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 how? That is the truth. We can never qualify. Jesus is the one that qualified for us. So what we do, we step in his shoes. We step in his shadows. And the moment we continue to keep our gaze on him, we become better by the day. We become more like him. We become more like him. It's not going to change completely and you come out and say, oh, now, I'm now a new creation. No! You are a new creation in him. And the more you stay in him and focus on him, you, the more he begins to rub off on you. Then the power and consciousness of sin begins to lose its grip on you. It begins to lose its grip on you. So I tell you again, whatever you do, stay in Christ Jesus. The preceding message was brought to you by Kingsword Ministries International. For information about Kingsword Ministries, visit us 
at kingsword.org for information and additional resources. Thank you for listening to this message. And remember, where the word of a king is, there's power.